Episode 13, I almost said 12, that was last episode. Lucky episode 13 of the Cromcast. It is a very special edition because for the first time in 10 years, the Carolina Hurricanes have made the Stanley Cup playoffs. And joining me on this episode is someone who goes back to uh, a time where uh, I covered the the Canes uh, on a much more frequent basis than I do now for Canes Country. He was one of the first uh, guys that I met while he was um, covering the Canes for Canes Country. He is Corey Lavalette. He is now the sports editor of the North State Journal and frequently covers the Carolina Hurricanes, a beat wire writer, if you will. Uh, something that added to how legit of a writer you are, Corey, is that you are followed by not only just Greg Wyshynski, but you're followed by Merrick, Jeff Merrick as well. So uh, that's uh, that's that's a pretty uh, high honor to have for you on Twitter, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know that Jeff interacts with me at all, but uh, <laughs> I'm honored that he thinks that I have something interesting to say, I suppose. Well, you graduated uh, cum laude from Utica, um, in what was it, 1999? Back in the day. Yeah, it's close. It'll be 20 years next month, I guess. So wow, I'm officially old. Well, uh, it's it's been an exciting ride for you, um, as you're now, like I said, the the sports editor for the North State Journal. Um, so getting into the 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 thick of things, uh, how long have you been covering the Carolina Hurricanes officially from your time with Canes Country and maybe even before that? Yeah. So, um. You know, my pre- my previous job to this one, I was working for a sports publishing company, and I was mostly doing magazine design and doing some editing. Um, but I was, uh, you know, I've always kind of done a little bit of everything in journalism, whether it's, you know, photo editing and, and regular editing and writing. Um, so I'm always looking for ways to write just to kind of stay fresh and for fun. So I was, um, I was writing for Hockey's Future, which is now doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, I know that the, the, the message boards are still out there, but I uh, started writing some for Hockey's Future. Uh, that was probably, ugh, uh, it was after the cup season, but maybe maybe 2007. Um, so I, I guess for that long. And then um, my, uh, you know, Bob Wade reached out to me. He used to be the, you know, he's kind of the founder of Kane's Country. And that uh, was before Kane's Country was, a, was even with Destination. And um, I was actually in, but my wife's from Buffalo. We were up in Buffalo uh, over the summer and I got an email saying, you know, Hey, I want to talk to you. So I talked to Bob and uh, he's like, I'm looking for somebody to write a little bit more on the site. He's like, I can offer you a website. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, so Bob kind of gave me, uh, my little bit of an in there, um, you know, writing for, for someone a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit of local, traction and everything you know the hockey future stuff was there but um 
you know, different age than even as far as following the prospects and stuff. It was right. a lot more, a lot more phone calls to people to try to find out what was going on and, and be able to watch things. But, um, so yeah, I started with that. And then, uh, obviously the move to SB nation, Bob and I, you know, Bob did it, but you know, Bob and I were together for that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I was with, with him until, until the, uh, this opportunity came around. So you say you're from Buffalo. Um, has hockey always been a, a pretty big part of your life? Uh, my wife's from Buffalo. Oh, your I wife's from grew Buffalo. Up, okay. um, uh, as a child, I was I grew up uh, as a young child near New Haven, Connecticut. Um, and then in about, you know, it was fifth grade, I moved to Springfield, Massachusetts, which is actually, you know, a half an hour from Hartford. So um was always, uh, you know, interested in hockey. I was never a kid that, that liked the local teams. I, I don't root for the Red Sox. I don't root for the Patriots. Um, so actually, when you said lucky number 13, all I could think about was was my beloved Dan Marino, who okay. I was a, I'm, a, I'm a Dolphins fan, and it's been a long time since we've had anything that looked anything like uh, like Dan. But uh, so, um, yeah, so I always liked hockey. I remember watching a lot of um, Bruins games just because they were the ones who were primarily on television. Um, but actually was a Flyers fan as a kid, um, really liked Ron Hextall. I, I often tell people whenever they're like, do you have any, ever have any moments of kind of geeking out over who you're with? I, I rode in the elevator a couple times with Ron Hextall after Flyers games over the last couple seasons. And I had to control my fanboyness because I, as a kid, Ron Hextall was one of the guys I, I really, uh, I really liked. In hindsight, I look back on him, I'm like, oh my God, he was a maniac, but <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so that was kind of neat, but yeah, those Flyers teams, even before Hextall with Brian Propp and Tim Kerr, um, you know, then obviously the, the Lindros era, uh, and Rod Brindamore, you know, was one of the guys that I enjoyed watching the most and was really the reason I kind of, um, started paying more attention to the Hurricanes when I lived here was because I always loved watching Rod as a player. Um, and then he got traded here and, uh, that was amazing to me that this guy that I followed his whole career was uh, was all of a sudden here in Raleigh. So when you moved to Raleigh, did you become a Canes fan or did you opt to be uh, still a Flyers fan? Yeah, so it, I mean, it took some time. I mean, I don't, um, I wouldn't say I'm a fan now. I can't be, but, um, you know, I do enjoy the team and everything. And uh, so, yeah, I would say my, my allegiance moved when Rod came here and it wasn't even so much that Rod, uh, was the main reason it was more that I was so aggravated with the way Bobby Clark constantly traded guys out. You know, there was just a, it was always that the guy didn't work out for, uh, for, you know, half a season, they got shipped out. And I mean, to the hurricane's benefit, you know, this was after obviously, um, you know, Rod had come here, but the perfect example of that is Justin Williams. You right. know, Justin Williams was, was, uh, you know, a flyer who had looked like he had a pretty good career in front of him. And, uh, they shipped him out for Danny Markoff, and the rest is history, I suppose, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting that you say that you're not a fan um, and can't be, because it, it, just from my perspective, growing up in the area, I, I grew up as a fan, and, and I had the fortune to uh, be able to cover the team in, in different areas. So for me, when I'm interviewing Cam Ward or Eric Stahl or someone who's in the locker room, my nerves are shaking a little bit more because I'm not supposed to uh, be a little bit, you know, excited, even though that I'm, I'm supposed to be a, a, a journalist. So 
Um, you know, I always like to think I cover things in a in an unbiased way because I, I sure, certainly threw a lot of shade at, at Eric Stahl. Maybe that was personal bias or just the way that I saw things. Um, but it's interesting that you say that um, now covering the team as, as long as you have. Um, so jumping into the playoffs, I uh, it, for me, it's exciting to see this team back in, in the thick of it for the first time in 10 years, whether they'll make it past the first round or not. Um, is is probably the biggest question, and I, I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll get to that a little bit later. My question to you is the black jerseys. Why the black jerseys for the home games for the Hurricanes against the Capitals? Uh, you know, I think it's probably, I mean, it's probably just all falls under the marketing thing, right? I mean, um, I, I was actually, I think I was talking to Chip. It was today, Chip Alexander with Dan and O. We were walking in. And yesterday, I can't remember which day it was, and um, I think it was yesterday actually. And um, I, uh, I said to him, it was, uh, you know, kind of funny that the Capitals have run this rock the red thing. When, uh, yeah, by all means, historically the Capitals wore red, but I mean we're not that far removed from them having no red in their jersey at all. And now they've embraced this rock the red thing. And then meanwhile, you've got a team here that's always worn red and now all of a sudden they're going to wear black. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably, um, you know, I, I don't think that the new regime is particularly thrilled with the current logo situation. Um, so, you know, they're kind of floating this one even more. It's it's actually not my favorite sweater, to be honest with you. Um, Did you I, like the I, I prior really black ones? I'm sorry. Did you like the prior black ones better than these? I hated the prior black ones. Okay. I really liked the logo. Actually, I thought the logo was great with the you know the triangle and the single. Even though it wasn't you know hurricane correct, so to speak, I thought it was a really sharp logo. But I just hated the um, the numbers and the and the the nameplates because they were impossible to read from the from anywhere. Like I mean, once you you know you watch a team for a season, you don't you guys don't even need to have you know, all the guys who go out there in white t-shirts and you know who they are just by the way they carry themselves, the way they skate. You, the more you watch them, you can, you know, obviously uh, tell who they are just right. just by that. You know, like I could pick Jordan Stahl out of, you know, 300 people just because of how big he is. But, um, you know, it, it's oftentimes hard to see, you know, especially if you're high up with those old black jerseys, it was impossible to see who was who, especially when it was, you know, if, if they wore them in a preseason game with a bunch of guys that were, you know, prospects or invitees or whatever, it was impossible to to see even the numbers or the names on them. So I didn't love those for that reason, though I did really enjoy the logo. What what would you say your favorite jersey would be for the Canes then? Mm, the Whalers jerseys. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> that I mean, doesn't, that doesn't count. But... Hard, so I mean, that was the one thing about the Whalers that people really liked. I mean the Whalers were never good. I mean I right. you know the you know, like I said, I grew up, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts, you know, by the time I was really watching hockey, I was in Massachusetts, but, um, you know, I, I was closer to Hartford than I was to Boston, and both those games were on TV, but nobody, I mean, the, the Whalers were kind of an afterthought, but the one thing that everybody thought was, damn, they looked really cool out there. Yeah. Like, the, the logo, the, the color scheme, all of that was always really sharp, so, um, yeah, I mean, as far as the you know, I would say I like the you know, I like the I like that kind of Helvetic tilted tilted one. Um so, you know, I, I it's a 
the new red ones are fine. I, I, I like them fine. Yeah, I like how they added the the warning, um, the hurricane warning back to the the lower rim of the the jersey. Because I always was a huge fan of the um, just the old school jerseys, the one that they wore when they first came to to the area. So I, I'm I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a stickler for the for the old um, and classic, I guess. So I mean, I guess that kind of goes goes inside with why you like the the Hartford jerseys, which. Were, were incredible to, to see on TV. I didn't get to see them in person, but I'm sure they were sharp, just as sharp as they were on TV, if not more in, in person. Um, so the, the goalie situation has been interesting this year. Uh, I actually went to the to a, a checkers game here in Charlotte where um, Darling ended up giving up like three straight goals, and it was just horrific, and I don't think he played again after that game. So... Um, it was interesting to see that whole situation unfold with him getting that contract and playing so poorly last year. And now McElhaney and Mrazic come in, and, and they're kind of this dynamic duo. Um, I mean, it, it would be safe to say that Mrazic's the guy who starts in net considering his numbers um, at the end of the season, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, if there's a uh, – you know, I think – you know, obviously he's been the better goalie of late. Um, Rod said this a hundred times, but they don't make the playoffs without both those guys. Like there is a time where um, Curtis was clearly the better goalie. Right now, Peter has been kind of out of his mind good. And uh, also, there's a history of him being really good in the playoffs. I mean, his record's not good. He's, he's four and six, but his goals against is under two, and his save percentage is in the 930s, and he's got three shutouts in 10, 10 ever postseason games. So, um, you know, I think. You know, given how he's played lately, and given what um, you know what his history is in the playoff and his ability to, to get hot, uh, and also just the energy he brings, right? I mean, he's a he's a fiery guy. He and Curtis couldn't be any different in that way. You know, Curtis is as steady as you can be. I said the other day, he's like he's like your neighbor who is out mowing his lawn. He's just you know, no matter what's going on, Curtis can have seven goals or, or get a shutout. He walks into the locker room after the game and. He's just like, yeah, I thought we played pretty well, or yeah, we didn't really play well, or I could stop it. He's, he's totally level. Uh, and, you know, there's times where everything could needed that young team. They needed a guy who just, um, you know, can slow the game down and things like that. And then there's times when they needed Peter Morazic to dive out belly first and poke check somebody in overtime. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he, he's, he's quite the character. He's uh, eccentric on the ice, which. I mean, it's it's been fun to watch and been and been fun to watch these two goalies um, compete. But it's also been great to see them work as a team. I mean, goalie being a goalie is always such an interesting thing to me because you have to um, not only you have to somehow balance being a, a teammate and also being a competitor at the same time um, while working towards the same goal. So. Um, w- I mean, how do you see this playing out, though? I mean, do you see them just riding like a hot goalie, like having Mrazek as long as he's playing uh, up to par, or do you see them maybe throwing in a switch from game to game? Um, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I asked Rod about that the other day. It's point blank, and he kind of said, well, that's Mike Bales' territory, and until I don't agree with him, uh, you know, he's going to take the call. And he's like, so far I haven't not agreed with him. I think they're going to use Peter. I think Peter will go game one, um, and you see what happens. I mean, there's, you know, I don't. The thing that's different from this than say what happened with Washington last year, which was 
everybody was kind of shocked that Kurt Dyer was going to still start the series, and then they obviously lost the first two games, and uh, and uh, you know, Holtby kind of regained the net, and it, from there, we all know what happened. Yeah. But, um, it, it's not a situation like that where if, if Peter has the full game in game one and you go to Curtis, it's not like you're saying, oh, well, we gotta, we gotta fix things up. We need, you know, our, our guy isn't on. It's more that, hey, you know, we've done this all year. You know, I don't think Peter's gonna take it as a, as a slight if, if he doesn't have a good game or the team doesn't respond in game one and they go to, they go to Curtis. Maybe they just need, you know, they're different guys. They're totally, Different in every possible way. Right. The way they play is, is different. Um, so if the if, if Mike Daniels and Rod Brindamore think that you know Curtis can can give them a you know what he would bring is stability. What what Morazic brings is is energy. So if, if maybe if they come out with the first game and they're all over the place and too energetic, maybe you just need to have Curtis in there to you know kind of slow things down, calm things down, and be the you know, be the beacon and maybe, you know, they'll need Peter if, you know, it's a playoff series. Maybe they need to be high energy. So uh, I don't, you know, I, I think that you start with Peter, if he goes well, then they're going to they'll stick with Peter. But, um, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them, especially if it goes, you know, goes seven games or goes past the first round. Uh, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see, to see Curtis play either. You look back to that 2006 season when they won the cup. I mean, both Gerber and Ward played outstanding when when asked of them. Um, just ended up being uh, Ward's call at at the end of that uh, that series, and that just kind of propelled them uh, to success in in winning that Stanley Cup. So um, it'll be interesting to see. It, the, the thing to me too is that they've been able to play with consistent confidence throughout the entire season. Which sometimes, when when Ward wasn't playing as well, um, you would see that uh, you know with the when when him and Hudobin uh, were were kind of that tandem. Um, I just kind of vividly remember that. And then of course when you saw um, the Ward and um, Darling tandem that did not work out too well for for Darling, you saw that um, just the way that they played differently. It, it, it's been a steady, consistent. Uh, not only just an increase in confidence, but a steady confidence throughout the season. Um, throughout both of these goaltenders, uh, you know, be, manning that crease. Uh, I know Morazic hasn't signed a, a, an extension because he was on a, on a one-year, correct? Um, do you see him signing an extension towards the end of the season? Do you see them locking both of these guys up? Where do you see um, this going for the, the, the goaltenders uh, for the Hurricanes in the future? I, I, I don't see this on the road. I don't have talks with Morazic about um, about him sticking around. Now, does that mean that he gets a five-year deal? I don't think so. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that the way this team is building itself is they're going to make, they're going to sign deals that they think make sense. They're not going to get emotional about um, a contract, about a player, and then make a mistake on a contract. And they really, I mean, if you look at what they've done, um, you know, since Tom Dundon has come in and kind of built this, you know, brain trust GM by committee, as people like to call it, um, they, you know, they've been patient on guys. They didn't bend on, on Michael Furland. Um, and in hindsight, I'm sure that, uh, you know, at this point, they're, they're, you know, glad they didn't give him $6 million a year. Um, 
or, or whatever he was asking for, or seven, or you know, six and a half, or, or whatever, over a long-term deal. Just because, I mean, he's a good player. He's a an impact player, and he brings a dynamic the team doesn't have. But can you afford to do that? Can you? Does that make sense long-term? And so, um, I think they're going to have the same talk with, with both goalies. Um, you know, if, if they resign Macaroni, it'll be it'll be a year, just because of the. CBA rules. Um, you know, if he were to, you know, he's his knees aren't the greatest. So if his knee decides to finally give way, uh, you don't want to be stuck with him on the cap right. for for multiple years. If, if for whatever reason he suffers a career in the injury, and you know, I think they would, I'd say the same thing about Justin Williams. He's going to get the Daniel Chara treatment now. They'll be like, hey, Justin, here's a one-year deal. And uh, if he were to sign for more than one, I'd be surprised, just because uh, you know I don't think that's that's prudent to what this management team wants to do. So I think um, if the number's right, um, you know, and, and Peter proves that, you know, he's a, you know, he can, you know, they don't have to win the series to, to get a pop in it with Peter coming out of this season. Um, but if he plays well, I think, you know, there's certainly a pop. I think he's, you know, everyone in the room seems to love being in the room. So I think, uh, you know, unless he feels like there's someone out there who's going to give him, uh, really big grief for a really long-term deal. I'm sure that they can they can come to a deal that makes sense for both sides, whether it's two years or three years. Um, as for Curtis, um, you could bring him back for a year. I think at some point you need to decide what you're going to do with Alex Medelkovich yeah. who has done everything he can do in Charlotte. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, th- you kind of hit on two of my questions there that I was going to ask you was basically if you saw Furlan sticking around, which, I mean, I think we can kind of both come to the conclusion that I think he's a little too pricey for what he's worth. And then you also got to think about paying Sebastian Ajo, which he's a a restricted free agent this year. But, um, I mean, there's no question in my mind that Dundon makes it a point to to make sure he's locked up long-term because – you look at some of the numbers that he's put up. I, I can't remember exactly the stat that I saw the other day, but he was in um, the, the the same mentions of John Tavares, Patrick Kane, uh, Connor McDavid. I think it was like two people who were, or the number of guys who had 30 goals in under the age of 20 or something like that. So, I mean, he's yeah, in some rare company. I think it was 30 goals and 50 assists before 22 is the yeah. one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty impressive list of guys. So, I mean, sure. he, he's been playing phenomenal this season. Um, I mean, his go-to five-hole move seems to have been working out pretty well. Someone's probably going to pick up on that next season. But I mean, Sebastian Ajo is is without a doubt, I think, the MVP of this team uh, for this year. Uh, I mean, you've been able to see him up close in person for a lot of the time. How has he grown as a player? Because he's obviously evolved into more of a leader, not only just on the ice, but I think off the ice as well. Um, you know, what have you seen there in his, his, his in his development? He is, I mean, I, I don't, I think, you know, you can't discount Justin Williams' competitiveness, so we're going to take Justin Williams and put him in a little basket for this conversation. If you take Justin Williams out of this, I think that there's nobody who's a more competitive um, wants to win guy than Aho uh, in the room. He is uh, he's not about himself at all. He doesn't care what his numbers are. Um, he just wants to win. That's all that kid wants to do. So as far as I'm concerned, you back the truck up, you 
I don't say people say you give him anything he wants because if you give him anything he wants, he's going to want the, the max. But you you make a deal that makes him happy. He's the one guy I'm willing. I'd say that the team would probably be willing to uh, overspend a little on because um, even if you give him eight years, we're still. I mean, we're still talking. Um, you know, he's gonna he's, he's still gonna be in his you know the end of his prime when it when it comes up. Um, and the way he plays, his competitiveness. You know, Rod didn't. You could tell Rod wasn't sure that Sebastian could handle being a center. And now that, you know, and Rod's been with him his whole career. He's been an assistant coach. Yeah. But there's a competitive competitiveness level. There was a point at this season where I saw Sebastian hit Chara and actually move him. And it wasn't about, you know, coming in and flying at him. It was all about leverage. And that's what Sebastian's really good at. He's using everything he has to make uh, – to, to find an advantage, whether it's because he's a little smaller and he can fit in places that other guys can or can, can use his speed or, you know, even going against bigger guys. He's not afraid to get into ugly areas, use his leverage, use, um, use his smarts to, uh, to, to find an advantage in whatever way he can. And he's just ultra competitive and wants to win and, um, ne- never an excuse, never, uh, uh, you know, uh, Anything like that, just to, to me, he's it's you give him what he wants, and when Justin Williams retires, you hand him the C and say this is all yours because he's that type of player. He's dynamic and just a winner. That's to me, that's that's he's everything you want in a leader. Uh, speaking of that, that leader, um, Justin Williams, that that we mentioned before. When, so you see him. How many more years do you give him? I mean, I mean, I don't mean in term. I mean. How many more years do you think he has left in in the gas tank? I, I don't think anybody saw this year coming, did they? I mean, did you did you see a, a twenty three goal fifty point season coming from him? Because I sure didn't. I, I wouldn't um, say it surprised me, but I'm also not saying that I saw it coming. So I guess I'm kind of like in the middle because with the way that he's been salt and peppery for I don't know the last five years, as far as his hair goes. Um, I mean, I've just known him to be someone who shows up no matter what and I think you know he's going to give it his all and and do his best he can I think uh every night and um that's just what he's given and I think he knows his limits and I think if he's he thinks he's capable of putting up 15 23 goals um I think you know he's he's there to do it so I wouldn't say I was surprised but I, I wasn't necessarily saying that I expected this good of a season yeah, that's kind of where I am too. Like, like, you know, I don't think this thing is even going to be, uh, is Justin going to um, be able to play for, let's say, three more years? I think he probably could. Um, there's got, there are guys in the league who hang around, uh, you know, like this is like the third time we're bringing up Char. Char is not the player he used to be. No. But he's still a, use, he's still a useful player. Um, he's still, you know, on a one-year deal. He's, you know, he brings the kind of things to the lineup that the intangibles, um, yeah, that you want. I mean, he's still physical. He's still, you know, he's still a presence. He's, you know, he's big enough that his skating doesn't uh, hinder him too much because it just has a reach that helps him recover on stuff like that. But um, not to get off track too much. But I mean, <laughs> it's going to depend on what. Justin's a competitive guy. Is Justin? I think next year he comes back. Um, I think he comes back, and um, you know. It, 
if he if, if, if he starts to lose another half a step, he's lost a step. There's no doubt about it. No. But he, He's crafty in how he gets around the ice, so that, that helps him. Um, and he's a great net front it. presence, too, which has go helped ahead. him immensely. No, go ahead. No, no, sorry. I was just saying he, he was a, a, he's a great net front presence, which has uh, helped, me, helped him immensely. So, Right, for sure. And uh, he's good in the corners when, where, you know, you don't need to be fast. You need to be quick, and that's kind of what he does well is change directions. He does unpredictable things. Uh, he's, he's unpredictable, yet he's so predictable. You know what kind of effort you're going to get every night. I think the big thing for him is he loves the fight, the competition, and is he going to want to be a bottom six guy who doesn't play on the power play, um, you know, in a, in two years? You know, if he gets to the end of next year and all of a sudden – Martin Natchez is here, and maybe Yanni Kopner is here, and uh, you know you got Morgan Geeky. You just got you know got all these guys coming through that are that are talented, young, fast guys. You know Julian Gauthier, you can go on and on. You know Alex Sullivan. There's there's a lot of a lot of good guys coming up that you think maybe you know at least a few of them will pan out into top six forwards. You'd hope. Um, is he going to be satisfied in a? Derek McKenzie role of being the fourth line guy who plays 10 minutes a night and is, you know, more than anything, an inspirational leader than a, than a, uh, you know, show it on the ice for 18 minutes a night guy. Um, that will be the, that's going to be the real thing that I think will make, make the decision is it's, is he going to want to go out on his own terms before, you know, Rod Wendemore didn't get that chance because he hurt his knee. You know, Rod was, um, still at the top of his game and then when he hurt his knee he he lost that step and that that was kind of it like yeah. it was it was clear he wasn't going to be able to do the things he used to be able to do and they kind of had to drag him out of the league a little bit um i think justin probably um wants to be able to compete at a high level to play in the nhl yep. he doesn't need the paycheck he's going to be fine either way I mean, it doesn't hurt if somebody's going to throw you $4 million for another year. You certainly think twice about it, $3 million, whatever. Um, but it's going to be, the, the, you know, weighing the, um, you know, do you want to do you want to play at, and not play at a high, at, at the level you, that you're used to. Well, probably, you know, if he were to be a fourth liner in two years, he'd probably be a fantastic fourth liner. Yeah, no, <laughs> you I know? agree. But, but does does he want that? Does he want to do that? Does he, would he be satisfied with uh, not getting to climb over the boards and, and be against the best defensive pair and be against the best you know, defensive center, all that? He's certainly added a lot since he joined the team um, last year, and I was super excited because I didn't want to ever see him go. I didn't want to see him leave. Um, he was a fantastic part of that team when, when they won the Cup, but granted... Uh, if he doesn't leave, he doesn't bring back the same experience that he has now, um, and he may not be this. He'd still be a leader, uh, nonetheless, but he wouldn't be maybe the same. Um, so, having him back uh, with the Hurricanes has been um, a big treat, and to see him and what he's done with this team, and the fact that him and Rod Brendamore have the chemistry that they have. I mean, I think that's propelled this team to a, a, another level that. Um, a lot of people didn't see coming. And uh, once everything started bouncing the right way, it started falling the way it should, unlike it did in the, the beginning of the season. Um, 
one person that I wanted to talk about was Jordan Stahl. Um, to me, since he arrived, I thought he was, you know, mediocre. I, I, I didn't think he maybe produced as much as he should have. Um, and maybe I didn't see him necessarily for that shutdown defenseman or shutdown centerman that I see him as now. Um, because he was scoring hat tricks when he was, you know, the third center in, in Pittsburgh. So he played a different role. Um, but this year, after he's uh, after he um, came back from that concussion, there was an extra pep in his step that I saw that I didn't see in the first several years, or maybe up until now, that um, I see in his step now. He's got more energy. Uh, he seems to just be anywhere that the puck is um, when he needs to be. And he has added another element to the team since he, you know, had had missed what was it 30 plus games with the concussion. So to me, he's, he's added a, a, a huge element to this team that, that really needed it. And um, he's been really, really good. He's been above par or under par, whatever the best term is for that. Um, uh, he's, yeah, he's been I mean, great. For sure. Jordan's a guy that I admire a lot. I think, um, you know, you talked about how, you know, at the end of, Eric Stahl's tenure, where he kind of dragged him a bit. He said, "You know, I, you know, I kind of hard on him because he knew what he was." Um, and then he goes to Minnesota, and he has, you know, really has had a couple great seasons. Maybe you know this year hasn't been talked about as much as last year, but I still thought he was he was pretty fantastic this year for, for the Wild. And um, you could see that same. Okay, um, yeah, you could see the same demeanor that Eric had, the same body language of just kind of being defeated about what, um, you know, and it's easy to get down on guys uh, because you're like, well, you're playing a game, you're making millions of dollars, you know, there's no reason you shouldn't be giving it your all all the time. Um, but I could tell you as, a, as somebody who's, you know, who's been covering the team for a long time, the last 20 games of the year are really awful when you're just playing out the string, when you're just writing out the string, when you're asking these guys, you know, asking these guys the same questions you're asking year after year. And, um, you know, it's a lot more enjoyable to cover the team when they're winning just yeah. because it's, it's more fun for everyone. They enjoy talking when they're, you know, I don't think it's the highlight of their day. Um, but they enjoy talking more. They're, they're more willing to talk. Uh, there's better things to talk about. Um, and I think it's the same for players. I think, you know, everybody's game, everybody's abilities are raised up when things are more enjoyable. Uh, I'm a better writer when I'm writing about uh, good things than bad things, probably. Um, some writers are better at writing bad things. Um, but... Uh, so, yeah, Jordan, uh, is, like I said, he's a guy I admire a lot. He's a lot different uh, when you don't have um, a phone or some kind of recording device in his face. Um, you know, just taking a few moments just to talk to him as a person. And he's just such a good, just a good guy, a good family guy, a good teammate. Uh, uh, just, you know, a guy you, that you enjoy being around. I, I like Jordan a lot. I mean, I just did a good dude above all. Uh, so I'm happy for him because um, it hasn't been easy here, just like it wasn't easy for Eric here. You know, we saw Eric at his best here. Uh, and it's unfortunate that he left here uh, at his 
you know, at what is probably his worst. Um, but it wears on guys. It's easy, like, you know, it's easy to say that he stole all these millions of dollars, but it's, it's tough to, um, you know, Justin, Justin Falk has had that look in his eye a few times, but at the same time, Justin hasn't known what it's like to win in the NHL. Um, both Eric and Jordan knew what it was like to win right. the NHL and then saw things go south here. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely happy for him and I, he, he knows he's not the best goal scorer in the world. I, I, I interviewed him for a story earlier this year and asked him about, uh, it was when, uh, uh, it was when Tomas Grice had, you know, been dominating the Hurricanes early in the year with, with the Islanders. And I asked him about, um, you know, is there any goalie that you, you see and, uh, you know, you know, you know, you, you get a boost of confidence because you know, you're going to, um, you know, you know, you, you know, you have a good history against this guy. And he just said, yeah, I don't have any guys. I have good history. <laughs> um, so he, I mean, he knows he's not going to dangle around four guys and, roof the puck on his backhand. I mean, he knows he's not that guy. Um, and it, it's tough because he's kind of a victim of his, of the, of his own expectation, not of his own expectation, but of his own production because that first year in Pittsburgh, he was just spectacular. I mean, he scored, I think, it, nine shorthanded goals or some insane amount um, and was just absolutely, everything went in for him and was just a dominant player. And then, um, you know, he's not that guy. He's a... 15 to 22 goal guy who's going to get you 50 points and that's okay. I mean, and he's, he's just impossible to go again. You watch, you can tell the other guys just hate when they have to line up against him because he's just a load. You can't move him. I can count on one hand a number of times somebody knocked him down this year with a check. He's just, he's a huge human being, just, (laughs) just a total load, but he doesn't, Get, he doesn't drag himself around the ice either. He can he can move up, he can move up and down the ice and you know has the the smarts and the range and the reach to to just be. It seems like he's everywhere all at the same time. So um, you know I have, I have a lot of admiration for Jordan the way he carries himself and the way he plays and the consistency he plays with. Even if he's not the the best goal scorer, the best passer. Um, uh, you know, he scores off of himself as much as he scores off of his stick. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's the type of guy that other teams just hate to go against because he's just, he's, he's, he's a handful, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think Nick Backstrom's going to be particularly pleased to see him on face off a whole lot this year. Yeah, I'm sure. I was actually, about, it's funny, you read my mind. I was about to say the exact same thing. Um, so I, I wanted to get to this, uh, this series real quick. Um, just kind of give me a breakdown of, of your thoughts and clearly the, uh, the, the season series was not in the hurricanes favor whatsoever. Um, Oh, three and one against Washington in the season series, obviously Washington, the defending Stanley cup champions going to be hard to get, go against. Uh, you would imagine that Holtby is, is the guy to start. Um, Ovechkin's been on a tear, 50 plus goals this season. Um, I mean that that team really doesn't seem to have have you know lost a step from last year, despite their drunken mishaps throughout the entire summer. Um, but what what do you see from this series? What do you see? Uh, what do you expect? And um, give me a give me a little prediction. I actually, um, in tomorrow's prediction for MSJ, I, I 
kind of break the whole series down. But since uh, I'm assuming this won't go live until after that, we'll we'll go. We'll, I'll basically give you a preview. Um, I think it's going to be a tight series. I, you know, the, you look at the forwards, and um, you know, Rod said it in that in that two game little mini series they had a couple weeks ago. Um, in the second game, he's likely stopped. We stopped the top line, kept them off the scoreboard, kind of executed our game plan, and then didn't win. Um, that's because there's two guys that I consider to be Hall of Famers on that top line, uh, and then the third guy is Tom Wilson. Um, they're a handful, and you have to key in on them and focus on them and make sure that they're your priority. But then you go past that, and uh, you know, Kuznetsov is is you know a, a number one center on, on you know 80 percent of the other teams in the league. Uh, Lars Eller is a great number three center. TJ Oshie, uh, Verona can fly. Just uh, you know, Carl Hagelin, I feel like always plays well against the Hurricanes, even though he's on the on the backside of his productive career. Uh, there's a lot of guys there that can do damage. And even when we even found out the fourth line, you know, Brett Connolly was a uh, a high first round pick that didn't work out for Tampa Bay, and now he's you know found a home in Washington, and he's. He's that kind of, you know, middle six, 20 goal guy that every team loves to have because he's going to put one in the net every three or four nights. It's crazy. Um, so they're a handful up front. I mean, that's going to be huge. Obviously, the Tom Wilson factor is going to be, I don't know if we want to call it fun, but. Um, It'll be fun to see him and know, Furland go one on one against each other. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the unspoken thing that the, the I guess I can't call it the national media, the North American major media isn't talking about yet is, oh my God, what if these two guys go at each other? Like they're both animals. Um, I would not want to meet either of these guys uh, anywhere and get them, uh, get them mad. Um, so that should be interesting to see. Um, I asked, uh, I can't remember if it was all else wall, but I think I asked Justin about this. Um, Justin Williams the other day, I said, uh, you know, if this had been a playoff series last year and you had to go against um, Tom Wilson, uh, this probably looks like a whole different playoff series than given the guys that they added this offseason. And it's not just Michael Furland, but it's uh, it's Jordan Martin too, who's a, a guy who's you know not a uh, knockdown, drag out heavyweight fighter, but he's, he's a glue guy. For his team. <laughs> he's a stand up for his teammates guy. Um, so uh, that that dynamic is going to be fascinating to watch, especially I, think, I tweeted it out at least a couple times. Was that that YouTube clip of um, of uh, it's like a kind of a, a mashup of the entire Flames uh, series against Vancouver a few years ago, and it's all Michael Furland hitting everybody, just pounding the Sabines, uh, you know. Aggravating Kevin Bieksa, just Alexander Burroughs, just and I, I'm curious to see if he's still, um, you know, a few years later, a few years older, a few years wiser, even. We'll see how he comes out of the gate here, but uh, that's going to be fascinating to watch. The, the the best thing for the Hurricanes is um, I don't think the Capitals' defense is really all that good. Um, I, certainly, there's there's guys there that are good players. Um, but losing Kempney is, is huge for them. Um, you know, that, that makes a big difference. That's a top pairing guy. Now, is Michael Kempney better than Calvin DeHaan? Probably, Probably not. not. I mean, is there a wash maybe as far as 
I mean, so I don't, nobody saw anything of Michael Tepney until last year. Um, but uh, the difference is, is one guy plays on your third pairing, and he's an important guy, and he kills penalties, and he's a big part of the success this team's had this year. But the other guy was playing with John Carlson. Yeah. And now he's not. Now he's not anymore. Um, I expect them to uh, use guys like Furland, Martinuk. We haven't talked about Andre Sessionkoff at all, which is amazing. But man, what a star he's going to oh, be! Yeah. Uh, you use these big bodies, chip the puck past the the B, and go in and just try to pummel uh, pummel these guys. You know, I think you want to get Carlson off his game. Brooks Orpik is not the guy he was ten years ago. Who, um, uh, who let alone broke Eric Cole's neck? But that that's a story for another day. Right, yeah. Uh, well, that's the other thing. Is that this is you come into Raleigh for, for Game Three and Game Four, and is there any way there's two more uh, hated guys on the ice for the other team than Tom Wilson, who seems to be universally hated around the league by opposing fans, and then Brooks Orpik, who I think is has always been kind of enemy number one. Um, I'll be at Game fans. Four, so I'll make sure to boo every time he has the puck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, I think that's that's the, the thing that the, the Hurricanes could exploit. Uh, the goaltending matchup was going to be really intriguing. Brayton Holtby, obviously, is a proven guy. And he's, um, you know, he's proven he can he can do it. So we'll see how hungry uh, that whole team is and how hungry they are um, to repeat. I don't doubt them, that's for sure. But you never know. You never know how a team, you know, like you said, they have a lot of drunken exploits in the off season. How tired are they going to be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when this, when this ramps up to the next, to the next level. Um, so, uh, to me, it's, it's going to be a fascinating series. It's probably going to come down to special teams. I think if they can find a way, and that's just we're going to miss Calvin DeHaan, I think find a way to neutralize Ovechkin a little bit, because he plays the whole power play. These are two, uh, PP one heavy teams, right? Even if, uh, the, uh, even if the Capitals switch guys out, eight's always out there, uh, and the Hurricanes are going to lean on on their top unit. So I started to see stuff in that second unit. You know that is uh, you know Dougie Hamilton obviously hasn't scored a ton on the power play, but uh, he's had a great uh, great second half and he's had a great uh, stretch coming on. He's had a great final stretch, Dougie Hamilton. He's uh, he's put up a a, a few uh, tucks these past couple of games, so wouldn't be surprising if he kept uh, kept that streak going into the playoffs. Yeah, and his hair is fabulous right now. Like I just saw him today, and he was kind of flicking at it with his fingers, pointing out all the slow he had. Mm-hmm. Make so, a Patty Kane uh, mullet I, and put those little cool. cuts on the side. That's uh, that's one place where they where they have a, a clear advantage on defense, even without. <laughs> You'd love to get Calvin DeHaan back, but um, you know, even without him, uh, Hayden Fleury's not a schlub by any means, and um, them not having something is is a is a big thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be great to watch. I can't wait. I don't I don't see it being a four a four game thing or anything. So so tell me this: what what exact? I, I must have missed something because I was not aware that Calvin DeHaan was out. Oh yeah, so Calvin got hurt a few games back. I know he got um, injured with the eye, but I had, I didn't know anything uh, before that. No, it was it was after that he uh, he kind of fell awkwardly. Um, they haven't it's the dreaded upper body injury, um, so uh, shoulder or wrist. I'm not really sure, uh, but he hasn't played the last little bit. Um, Hayden Flurry's been in there, 
And I saw they just recalled, yeah, I was just about to say Jake Bean. Number seven, um, just so you have an extra body. You know, they got an extra forward, which will will presumably be Sacramento Linen. And um, and then you got the extra uh, extra D will be Jake Bean. But um, for right now, Calvin DeHaan is out um, and has not skated for a while now, you know, a couple couple weeks. Um, So I haven't not seen him around. I did see him around doing the eye thing. Uh, then he came back from that and then had the, you know, I can't remember which game it was, but, um, yeah, kind of an awkward fall. Or maybe he could have hurt his shoulder, maybe hurt his wrist. Uh, I'm not really sure, but they immediately, it was when they were, um, you know, they were out on the road trip and they immediately sent him home that night and, you know, flew him home and uh, he's been out. So that's a, that's a loss for sure. Exactly, but again, yeah. it doesn't, does it, it's balanced out by Kempney being out in the role he plays on that team, even if I don't, you know, to me, he's not like he's a better player than Calvin DeHaan. So I know you just said you don't see it being four games. If you were to predict how many games this goes to, uh, what's your prediction? I mean, I think, I think he should post seven. I really do. I think it's, you know, uh, Sebastian Ajo's not going to not score forever. Right. The fact this team won games down the stretch without him scoring goals, and I mean, he wasn't even playing horribly, and he could have scored plenty of times. I mean, so many times, just, uh, you know, you could see, you, you could tell, it kind of reminiscent of his early season um, struggles the first two years of his career, right? Um, so I think it goes seven, and I would hate to bet against the Hurricanes when they have literally Mr. Game 7 on their roster. Um, but I think the Caps are going to are going to take this in seven. Um, but I think the Hurricanes are going to take enough of a bite out of them that uh, the Capitals are going to are going to feel what happens in this series. Justin Williams said the other day that somebody's going to give up, and that's what the difference is going to be. I, I don't see it that way. I don't think the Hurricanes are going to give up at all. I think that it's going to go right down to the end, and I think the Caps are going to are going to pay for that. Uh, you know, given the long season they had last year and uh, the way this series is going to materialize, I think it's going to be fantastic. I can't, I cannot wait to watch this team go at it. I can't either. Um, unfortunately, this is just me and just seeing everything that's happened in the season series. I've got Washington in five games. I'd like to see it go to six. I don't know if it's going to. Maybe, maybe I think it's too good to be true that the Canes are actually in the playoffs again. Um, but that's just my own personal opinion. I think they win a game um, at home. Um, not sure if they make it to, uh, to to six, but ideally that would be what I'd like to see And if they were to go out to six. But, um, you know, I, I, I see five games, but, you know, who knows? I, obviously, I'd like to see it be more than that, but we'll, we'll have to see. Um, interesting stuff around the NHL. Uh, real quickly, uh, what do you think the Stanley Cup final matchup is? Oof, um, I can't wait to you know watch this Columbus Tampa series either because um, you know I, I think Tampa is gonna is gonna win that series, but it might be the toughest one they have. Uh, I don't think anybody's gonna stop them um, just because they're so good um, top to bottom. So I definitely think Tampa makes it out of the East. Um, out west, uh, I'm going to go out on a on a little bit of a limb. I'm going to say the Sharks are going to get it. Oh uh, wow! Are going to get it done. Wow! I think um, I think uh, you know they, the fact that they managed to finish where they finished without good goaltending 
uh, all it takes is a goalie to get hot for for a few weeks to uh, to really do some damage. And um, I, I've got a feeling that um, that San Jose's defense is pretty stacked. They've got tons of veteran guys. They're older, yes, but there's still a lot of good young players that are up and coming on that team. And um, you know, not like the Hurricanes where there's a bunch of guys here whose eyes are going to be wide open about whoa, you know, playoff hockey because uh, all those guys have done it. But um, uh, exactly, I don't know why. That's my that's my gut feeling. I love a lot of those teams out there. I love Winnipeg. I love Vegas. Um, the Flames don't really scare me much because of their goaltending. Uh, despite the season they had, I just don't. Uh, I don't think that that they're gonna um, they're gonna be able to to live up to their seeding, so to speak. Um, but there's so many good teams out west. Uh, you know, even Dallas is a scary team with the skill guys they have and and the goaltending they can get from time to time. It's going to be uh, the NHL playoffs are the best. I mean, there's there's nothing better because you, all of these teams. Uh, to me, the only team, and, and I'll probably regret saying this, they'll probably go and win the Stanley Cup. The only team in the whole Eastern Conference that so I'm just kind of like, they really don't have any shot at, at winning at all. Um, to me, is, are the Islanders just because I, I still am not as believer that you can, that, that they can win without a, um, you know, subtracting Tavares and, and that their goaltending will hold up the whole way. Um, but beyond that, it's like, and then they could still be Pittsburgh. I'm not even saying they're not going to be Pittsburgh in the first round, but um, I, I don't think they have the horsepower to, you know, the defense, the, the goaltending, holding up the whole way to um, to go all the way. But at the same time, I'm making reasons why they can't do it. So that's what makes so great is that all these series are going to stack up, and uh, sometimes it just takes a bounce to steal a game. And if you can steal one game and you can keep it close. Uh, who knows what can happen? So uh, it's going to be it's going to be great. But I'll say San Jose and and, and Tampa um, just because it'll make the travel really bad for both of them. <laughs> and then um, and then uh, I'll, I'll say Tampa in in probably. I mean, I'll be generous to San Jose and say six, but my gut tells me five. Like Tampa's so good, so well coached. So everything about them is is really top notch, and this is kind of their window being. Um, being as open as it's going to be, it's going to tighten up here uh, with Braden Point needing a new deal and some other guys too. Um, so this is their shot, I think. I think this is their shot to really have a dominant postseason and, and be uh, and 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 have their best shot at winning. So I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say Tampa Bay. We've seen it happen before. Uh, I think the the Blackhawks were like the last team that won the President's Trophy and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So it doesn't happen a lot. Um, and when you do win that president's trophy, a lot of the times you're a team that's, um, gotten hot at a bad time and they don't end up, you know, having that, that, uh, energy throughout the, the entire postseason. So, um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I got a lot of blue in my Stanley cup, uh, final. I've got Tampa Bay and St. Louis actually. Um, I think that guy who's, uh, who's backing up the, the, um, the, uh, the, the, or he's not backing up. What's his name? I can't even think of his name. Um, the, the goalie. Yes. Yes. I think, uh, he's a stud. I think Ryan O'Reilly has added a lot to that, um, that lineup. And I think they're kind of, uh, a dark horse in a way. I think that they're going to be a team that's a force to be reckoned with because they've got a lot of good bodies up and down the, uh, that lineup. I'd like to see Winnipeg, but 
I just don't know, man. I, they've had some injuries this season, and I'm not sure if they're the same team that they were when they started. Um, I got Dallas. Mm-hmm. I got Dallas beating Nashville uh, in that first series uh, as an upset, but I got I got St. Louis and Tampa Bay. I think um, that would be an interesting final. Um, but who knows? Uh, anything can happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is the most exciting thing about it. Um, but Tampa Bay is my pick to win the Stanley Cup as well. Um, but it should be uh, it should be fun nonetheless. Uh, maybe the Hurricanes can can make it to to a couple more rounds, but we'll have to see. Um, where can people find you on Twitter and social media, Corey? Yeah, so you can follow me at Corey Love, Um and you can certainly read my stuff at nsjonline.com. And uh, yeah, I don't do the Instagram thing. I'm old. So like I said, twenty years out. Of, I'm, I'm twenty years out of college, so. Um, I, I have Instagram, but only to keep an eye on my kids' Instagram. So, uh, pretty much that's it. You know, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to interact with people, I think, and, and try to be, uh, you know, try to give insight and try to be friendly and be funny and, um, as funny as I can be anyway. And, you know, treat it like it is, which is, this is a game. Let's not get too bent about everything and, um, and enjoy it and embrace the fact that, um, you know, we get to see playoff hockey in Raleigh again. It's going to be great. We will see it. He will be covering it. And make sure you go follow the Chromecast now on Instagram at Chromecast, like on Twitter, and make sure to follow me at Matt Crombach on Twitter as well. Um, this was episode three, 13, a uh, lucky episode 13, hopefully, for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Thanks to Corey Lavalette. I'll see you for episode 14.